Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now I'm starting this week's podcast off on the Saturday the 12th of February 2022 and I'm actually in my little office which is where I put together all my podcasts, have a little recording studio and and what have you. Now, what have I done today in this office and what's it got to do with my gardening? That's a very, very good question. Now, a couple of years ago, I had a shelf system in here where I had attached some grow lights and it worked actually very, very well. The only trouble was it was behind my seat. It was kind of made or used to make up a set for my live show. And last year I removed it because it was just a little bit tricky to work. I set the grow lights up in my shed, but I had the same trouble last year in my shed. It was very tricky to work. So what I've done this year is I've moved this shelf back into the office and I've attached the grow lights back to it. And I've got to say, actually, this is working out quite nicely. Well, hopefully it is. So this shelf has got five shelves. The bottom shelf is just for general storage. Next shelf, I have a heated propagator with no grow lights. Now that's where I will first put any of my seeds. They don't need light at that stage, so they just start off there. When they germinate, as soon as they germinate, they then get moved up to the next shelf. Now that does have a grow light and a heated propagator with a lid over it. And that'll just get them started off. And then when they are really ready, they will move up to the next shelf where there will be more heated propagators and more grow lights. And they will then just continue to grow. And eventually they will end up on the very top shelf where there is no grow lights, but they have plenty of room in which to grow. Hopefully by that stage, they'll be big enough that they can make use of just natural sunlight. As I said last week, my... My house windows face east and west, so we don't get a huge amount of light in this place. Now, the downside of this is, obviously, it's easy for Roxy to get hold of things. That's why the bottom shelf isn't used for anything like that. Now, this week, as I've returned home from work and I've gone out to check on my chickens, I've noticed we have started to get eggs again. The season for chickens to start laying has started again. They're still under lockdown at the moment, but... Today I wanted to share with you what it's really like keeping chickens, especially as in a few weeks' time people will start wanting to keep in chickens again. With spring just around the corner, I find that many people are starting to think about keeping chickens. And I don't blame you if you are thinking of keeping chickens. We have kept chickens for a number of years and they have been a fantastic addition to our garden. They provide us with some absolutely delicious eggs. They also help with our composting process as well as pest and weed control, believe it or not. It's not all sunshine and roses though. There are a few negatives. Chickens do have a tendency to try and scratch the ground and any ground that they can get hold of. And if you've got some young seedlings, they will be ripped up. Chickens also have a tendency to try and eat everything in sight. Your lettuce, your fruit, they will try and eat. These are all things that can be protected and blocked 
But we've also had a chicken run inside our, our house once to pinch a blueberry that had fallen onto the floor and she runs straight out with it. It's quite comical, actually. That's just the type of thing you have to think about when it comes to keeping chickens is that can you protect your plants? Can you protect your garden from the damage that chickens cause? Now, in fairness, chickens don't cause a huge amount of damage when you compare them to certain other birds, such as ducks. They are pretty placid animals. The ways I found of keeping the chickens from causing the damage, as I said earlier, fences. That keeps them off. I've also put in bottomless pots. So I've taken a plastic pot, cut the bottom off, sunk that in the ground, filled it with compost and then planted tomatoes into that pot. And what I found with that is that the chickens, when they scratch the ground, they don't tend to damage the tomato plant as much. That's just a, a little option that I have got for you. Now, when it comes to housing the chickens, which is probably the biggest expense, but it is going to be one that lasts a long time. I've got to say, you want to find the biggest and the best that you can afford. My personal preference for chicken runs now is the omelette chicken run. I got this 2020, just two years ago, just before COVID kicked off. And before that, I had a wooden chicken run which you know wooden chicken one was fine i got it second hand i built an extra run onto it to enlarge it but what i found with the wooden chicken run one it looked a little bit tatty which a bit of paint bit of felt probably would have sorted it out but what i also found was that in the summer there was a risk of red spider mite and we did have it a couple of times what I had to do when we got the red spider mite was quite often dust around the inside with this powder, which killed off the red spider mite and helped the birds. Now the birds get irritated by red spider mite to the point that they won't go inside the coop. That is not good because if they're not in the coop, they're not as protected from foxes that come by in the night. We'll get into that in just a moment, but coming back to the omelette, what I found with the omelette, because it's made of plastic, the red spider mite doesn't have any cracks or crevices to hide into, and it's been a real good use of a chicken run in our place. It's also easier to clean, and every now and then, well, about once a month, I just wash it off with the hose, and that's good enough to give it a really good clean. That's why I recommend Lee Omelette. Now, if I'm not sponsored by Omelette or anything like that, it's just my personal preference. I will be actually getting the wheels for our Omelette chicken run at some point so I can make our chicken run into a tractor and move it around the garden a lot easier. That's a bit more technical for the first time chicken keeper, but something to think about. If you can move the coop around, then especially as the way I wanted to do it was that they fitted on the beds and I just moved them around the beds. That's not going to be possible at the moment, but we'll see what happens in the future. The next thing that I always think it's good to think about is what breeds of chicken do you actually want? I did a ton of research before we got our chickens to find out what was suitable for our garden because I wanted to, obviously, I wanted to get some good egg layers that was first and foremost but i didn't want noisy chickens that would upset our neighbors and i didn't want any birds that were either too big or flighty or got out the garden easy you know all the problems that i could see that came into place and that's why i settled with the gold line and the amber varieties originally now the gold line is your standard farm looking chicken 
if you know what I mean, the, the brown bird that just wanders around the farms. And the first one, Bear, we've still got her actually. She, she still goes. She's still laying eggs. She's she's about seven years old now, so she's certainly getting on. But it just goes to show how well these birds last. They're very very quiet, and they've been really suitable for our back garden. We also had an amber at the same time as we brought Bear, who was whose name was Grills at the time. Unfortunately, she has passed away now. But when she did pass away, we then got another amber because they were so good at laying eggs. They laid eggs right throughout the winter when they were very young. Again, they've been very quiet. They can be a little bit flighty. Remember when we first got Poppadom, she did jump up into the ivy on the first adventure out. I do not trim the chicken's wings. Our fences are over six foot high, so I don't feel the need to trim their wings to stop them from flying away. But like I said, when they were young, they did get up into the ivy and I rescued her out there and got her back into the coop. We had a black tail who unfortunately we lost last year after a fox attack. That was also a very good bird to have. Again, very quiet, very placid that one, but incredibly shy. And we probably won't get a black tail again because of the shyness. Now, I bring this up because we are actually going to be getting a couple more chickens very, very soon. And that's going to be fun because we are integrate the two flocks together to try and get them acclustomized to each other. That That's, again, this is getting technical, so I won't go into that too much. But what I would say when you first buy chickens, I would not buy less than three chickens. The reason being, if you lose one bird, there's still got two as a company. It was quite awful when we lost grills because Bear was on her own for a few days and I had to rush out and go get some chickens for companions for her. We did, we did got there in the end and it was worthwhile. Of course, you could rescue some hens. I'm not a fan of this for the first time chicken keeper because they're not so easy to look after. I'll be honest, they, they can be a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They can be quite nerve-wracking for the first-time chicken keeper. They're, they're already going to be two years old. They're not going to lay so many eggs. I feel awful saying it because I do feel these rescue hens need to go to a good homes. But I think once you've got a few years' experience, then it's probably okay to keep rescue chickens. Now, in terms of routines, I've got a daily routine where basically in the morning I go out and let the chickens out, make sure they've got food and water, make sure they've got some entertainment because they do need a bit of entertainment. And then I'll go to work and then when I come back from work, I'll check there's any eggs and once it gets dark, check they've gone back into their coop. They do take themselves back into their coop and then just lock them up for the night to make sure they are safe from foxes. On a weekly basis, I will clean out the coop, remove all the soiled sawdust and straw and add that to the compost bin. And then once a month, I wash the coop down as well, just to make sure that it is always kept clean and looks stunning and, and is good for the chickens. On a whole, it is incredibly easy to keep chickens. But the biggest problem that we've had, and this is I've said time and time again, is the foxes foxes visit our garden during the day last year and attacked one of my chickens it did survive but two weeks later unfortunately she passed away and we think it was due to shock from this fox attack it's not pleasant when that happens and foxes will get into a coop at night and they do 
they are a bit indiscriminate to say the least foxes are only doing what they have to, what they do to survive it's nothing against a fox of course it's just not a very pleasant thing to to go through especially if you're a chicken of course so the biggest negative has got to be you've got to make sure that your garden is fox proof and your run and coop is fox proof i think i've said that earlier on but i'm reiterating it again and again Rats, of course, are a problem as well with chickens. It's often said that if you keep chickens, you also keep rats. We did have a problem with rats a a few years ago, but I dealt with that straight away. And what I would do back then is always take the food in at night, make sure there was no food and water for the, the rats to get hold of. But now I've got rat proof feeders for the chickens. It's not so much of a problem, but again, it's something I do keep a close eye on. And if there's any signs of rats, you've got to take action immediately. Now, in terms of food, I found the cheapest place to get layers pellets from is a farm supplies. So we got one near us. I popped down there. Well, with the two chickens, about every three months, I buy a 20 kilo bag that will cost me eight pounds and it will last, like I say, three months. When I had three chickens, it went down to about two months. So you get an idea of how often you have to buy these food and how much they need to eat. I think when we get the two extra chickens, it's going to be interesting just to see how often we're buying food. Now, the the final thing that I, I touched upon earlier is keeping the chickens entertained. They do get bored and that's when problems can quite often start with them. They get bored, they get loud, they get noisy. So what do we do to keep the chickens entertained? We chip in the bottom of our run, give them something to claw at and rummage around in. A sand bath, a, a container of sand that they can just have a bath in as well. That keeps them entertained. We fill a ball up with some of their corn that they have to peck at and the corn falls out. That keeps them entertained. And also I like to hang things like cabbages up and plenty of fresh greens that you go into our coop for them as well. That keeps them entertained, gives them something to do. Uh, Just a few ideas that I've got. Chickens do need entertainment like any animal. They need something to occupy their mind. So if you are looking to keep chickens, just think about how you're going to entertain them. Well, in a nutshell, I think that summarises everything that I've learned about how to keep chickens over the last few years. If you're thinking about it, then please do go and research and find out more and let me know how you get on. Well, let's get back to the gardening. It is the 13th of February 2022 today. I am in my podding shed. I've just finished my live show and... It's been a difficult day today. I don't know if you can hear, but it is quite wet and windy outside. We've had a lot of rain, a lot of wind, and that really has meant I've not been able to to do much out in the garden or the allotment. Now, I know people will say there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. And to a point, I agree. But at the same point, I don't see the point in being miserable working outside when I can be doing things inside my shed that still accommodate my gardening addiction, but also just help me out as we go along. These are jobs that do still need doing. Now, as you know, over the winter months, I cleared out this shed, particularly over the Christmas period, and I got rid of a lot of the stuff that I no longer need and just was hoarded onto. But there's still stuff that came back that I either don't use that often or must be used up. And I've been organising those into a fashion to make everything simple and easy for me to get to. Now, for instance, in one of my 
kitchen cabinets. Down towards the bottom, at the front, I have got my root trainers. And that's because I'm going to use those quite often and I need those at hand and I'll be using those quite soon as well so they're there so I can just get hold of them nice and easy above that I've got my fertilizers and feeds now what I do with my fertilizers and feeds I've got to get more but I tend to decant them into juice containers reason being is that I just find that the juice containers being made of plastic they're reusable so they get used more than once but they tend to work quite well at storing the feeds and fertilizers without them getting wet and horrible but they also when it comes to using them they're easy to sprinkle you just pop the spout out and sprinkle them away you don't get a rush of food and fertilizer it's quite nice and easy to use and equal and then the other problem that I have, like my potato fertiliser, I'm looking at it now, it's an organic potato fertiliser, and it brought in a cardboard box. And I find cardboard deteriorates quite quickly inside sheds and stuff. So that's why I like to decant them into other things. Now one of the things I've been doing here today is that I've been sowing some seeds. So I've sown some more sweet peppers. I do like sweet peppers and I wanted to get a few more of those sown. I've also been sowing some purple sprouting broccoli. Purple sprouting broccoli is absolutely delicious but I find it does need a long growing period so I'll sow it now and it'll probably be harvesting about this time next year. But I've also been sowing some leeks and I've got two varieties of leeks that I've been sowing. King Richard is one that I got from CD Sunday and I've actually sewn out on my live show that I do on a Sunday night. And so for that I thought I'd just do a little discussion on how I go about growing leeks. Leeks are probably a staple in most kitchens being able to have them all year round and used in so many different recipes. Leeks are incredibly easy to grow but they are in the ground for quite a long time. In fact, I'm harvesting leeks that I grew from seed that were planted a year ago. Just goes to show just how long they can be in the ground, but they are so hardy that they will survive through the winter quite nicely. Now, I like to sow the seeds from sort of now till May. And what I actually sow my seeds in is I've got a polystyrene container that I fill up with multi-purpose compost, scatter the seeds over the top, and then I'll sprinkle over some seed sowing compost. And then over the top of the polystyrene box, I will place a clear perspex panel and then pod that in my greenhouse, which is unheated, and wait for it to germinate. Now, it can take quite a while for germination to happen. We're talking about a month. I've quite often thought that it's not going to happen. Almost gave up, and then they've suddenly started to germinate. During this time, it's just a case of keeping them well watered, not not soaking wet, just the occasional spray with water because they're in a polystyrene box. They tend to hold on to the water quite well. As soon as they germinate, remove the lid and again, continue keeping them watered and the occasional seaweed feed added as well will go on to help them. 
Now we want to grow these seedlings on to about the thickness of a pencil before we plant them out. And in this time, we obviously want to prepare the ground. Make sure the ground is just completely free of any weeds or any stones and plenty of organic matter added. Now, what I'm actually planning on doing this year is planting my leeks in a bed where my first potatoes are going to be growing. So what will happen is that I'll harvest my first potatoes. And then once the first early potatoes are harvested, the leeks should be about the right size to go into the ground. Fingers crossed it's going to work that way. We will find out as we go on throughout the year. Now to plant these leek seedlings, what I just do is I take a dibber. This dibber that I use for this is the handle from an old spade. And I just dib a hole into the ground take a single leak and drop it straight in and then continue until all my leaks are planted. Some people will actually trim the roots and trim the tops when they do this. I personally don't bother, but some people say it works better. I've not found any difference myself, so I don't bother trimming the roots. Once all the leaks are planted, give the holes a good water. This will encourage some of the soil just to backfill. And what this does, as the leak grows, it blanches the leek to get that nice, white, sweet tasting core. That is what we really want from our leeks. Once they're in the ground, they don't need much care. Just keep them well watered and the occasional feed with chicken manure pellets goes a long way to help them as well. Keep them weed free and then harvest once they are large enough to harvest. You can actually harvest them when they're as, as small as a pencil and they're quite tasty that way, I find. Now, we spoke about growing leeks on our live show last night, and one of the problems that seemed to keep coming up was that leeks bolted, especially during the summer. And the only reason I can find for this is that leeks, because they grow so well over winter, I think they need lots of water and possibly even a bit of shade throughout the summer months when it gets incredibly hot. And that's easy, a bit of shade cloth over the top, a mulch will go a long way and just making sure they are watered at least once a week with plenty of water during the summer. I think that's the only problem that people reported to us last night. The only problem I've ever had with leeks is I, I get leek rust. Now this is a common thing on my garlic and it's a fungal disease causing bright yellow spots on the leaves. And it's often worse in long wet spells. To be honest, they don't do a huge amount of harm to our plants, so I tend to ignore it and just remove the leek rust when it comes to harvesting. But if the leek rust does get too bad, then it might wipe out the crop. Other problems could be leek moth. Now, leek moth, there's not much you can do if you get it. And what it is, is the leek moth will come along and they'll lay their eggs and then you get these little maggots burrowing into your leeks. I've not had this problem. But if you do have a problem with leek moth, you might just want to cover over your leeks with horticultural fleece just to stop any adult moths from laying their eggs. There is also, being a member of the onion family, there is a risk of onion white rot. I've not had any problem with that myself. And that's a soil-borne fungus, of course, that can cause yellow and wilting of the foliage. No chemical cure for it from what I've read online. And it's just one of those things, if you get it, you've just got to try and make sure you don't grow in that same area again. Well, that is how I go about growing leeks. If you've got anything to add, then please do get in touch. Let's get back on with the gardening. <coughs> 
It is Monday the 14th of February 2022 today and it's Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's to everybody. It is, um, well it is a time actually. Let's have a quick look. It is six o'clock in the evening and I am down on the allotment with my little puppy. What better way to spend Valentine's evening? Any joking of course if my wife is listening. Now I've popped down here after work, I ran home, grabbed the dog and brought her down Elamont so I can incorporate her bit of exercise for the day and trust me she's very bouncy at the moment as well as just tackling a few jobs down on the allotment. So what have I done today? One of the jobs I did was I brought down a tree stump that I had at home to go into the Hoogle culture bed. As you know last week I moved the corrugated iron bed in order to start this hugo culture bed and see just how well hugo culture is going to work on the allotment heard a lot of good things about hugo culture i will admit i don't know a huge amount about it but i'm looking forward to seeing just how well it works out in the future but one of the first things i've got to do is fill it up with a lot of wooden logs and i've had this tree stamp in our garden for quite a while and it's just good to get rid of it i've got a few more stamps to come along as well I'm just going to do one log at a time. I'm hoping to get down here every evening this week because it's only just getting dark now, six o'clock. So if I finish work at five, that gives me an hour to get down here. Obviously, sometimes I might have to bring Roxy down here and that does make it a little bit challenging. But at the same time, it, it, it's a bit more time efficient. Something else I've been doing is filling up a bed with compost. Now this is a bed that I'm going to be planting out some garlic that I have and seriously need to get into the ground. I popped to a shop today and I found they were selling this organic peat-free compost for 50 litre bags for £10, which I thought that wasn't too bad. I've grabbed all four bags and all four bags have gone into this one bed and filled it up. Which... You know, £10 is a lot of money really for compost, but the reality is I have not produced enough compost and I don't think I will ever be able to produce just enough compost in order to make it last. So in order to fill up all my beds, so it's a case of making the most out of it and see what we can do. Now I'm just going to take Roxy on a walk around the allotment site before we pick up some leeks and head home for our tea. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. It's been great to have you along as always. If you have enjoyed it, then perhaps you would leave us a review on your podcast app. Or if you really want to support me, then why not become a member of my supporters club? My supporters club is a way of getting extra content in a way of behind the scenes podcasts that go out twice a week, as well as each month a collection of seeds sent straight to your door with a newsletter that can be sown that same month. All vegetable seeds, all to do with what we're growing and sowing here down at the Veg Grower Podcast. To find out more, head to the vegrowerpodcast.co.uk. And while you're at the vegrowerpodcast.co.uk, why not leave a voicemail sharing a tip or a, a question that we can play in on next week's podcast? It'd be great to have some of those. You can send me an email, richard at thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk or you can find me on social media. Just search for The Veg Grower Podcast. We'll be back again next time. So until then, please take care. Music.